What are the most important things to have in place before you spend a single dollar on marketing? So today on the Pollinator Podcast, we have with us a lady that knows a lot about getting out of her comfort zone and goes to great heights to do so for her clients. And that's probably because she steps out of perfectly good airplanes and stands on the wings of them well, well above the Earth's surface. But that may seem like it just kind of blows me away to think about it. But uh, for a, a lady who studied accounting and uh, really good with numbers, now helps businesses to grow in all sorts of ways, but also looks at their marketing and their messaging and how they're communicating these stories. She has a, a very long history, and we'll let folks get into the bio and some of the, the show notes and all the things that she's done. But Catherine White, thank you for being here with us today. You're welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's such an honor. So, Catherine, I'm going to ask you, I, I've definitely got to learn more about this wing walking thing uh, a little bit later, but uh, we do like to, to jump right into to value for folks. And uh, I really like this that you shared with me uh, before, and, and it resonates a lot with me, but this whole idea of planning before you, you spend, because I have certainly come across uh, a lot of folks that have just decided that they need to be marketing their business and you know they need to be doing something and just decide to, to throw a marketing budget at it without a, a good plan. So tell us like what what does this mean with you and and what can people how do people put this into to practice and, and get some value out of this idea? Well it's just like you said so many people just go out there and they start throwing money into marketing. And the reason is when we're, we're in business, what is it that we need and want is we, we need more money. We want more money. We need clients. And so it's very easy to get caught up in that need for clients and need for revenue. And, and so you, people will start just throwing money out to try to find those clients, right? Um, hunt for them as you would put and the problem is that if you don't have things structured properly before you do the marketing, then you're just going to throw all throw your money away on the marketing that's not going to work. And then I hear people um, complain when I'm speaking with them and they'll complain about the marketing they've been doing and, and how, oh, they, they've ripped me off. They stole my money. This didn't work. And in many cases, it's not because the marketing marketing itself doesn't work, but it's because you weren't properly prepared to do that type of marketing. Yeah. I, I hear people ask me uh, uh, quite often, it's like, oh, well, you know, what kind of marketing works or does this work or does that work? And I'm like, all those things, they have worked. Like you wouldn't be hearing about them if they hadn't worked for somebody. The question is, you know, can they work for you in your business and your market at the level that you're at? And, you know, is it a good uh, tactic to fit into your overall strategy? That's you know, one of the things that we're coming at. But there's a lot more to it, too, as well. So when you talk about being structured properly uh, before investing in the marketing, like what what kind of things do you, do you look at or, or should people be thinking about in terms of, of having the right structures in place to, to get the value out of marketing? Well, I start off with what I consider to be the foundational piece, and, and that is making sure that you have your messaging. And starting with your messaging, I like to start with the basics and making sure that they have a good, clearly written and clearly understood 
mission and vision statement and a mission and vision statement that is compelling. Now, I see a lot of businesses that think they have a mission and vision statement when they really don't. So that is the first place we start. So that, that's definitely true. I think I saw it some, maybe it was in a meme or somebody talking about like, oh, we want to take the mission statement off the wall and, and actually put it, uh, you know, put it into to practice. And I hear a lot of people I'm, you know, back and, and was a, you know, student of, of Stephen Covey and John Maxwell and all these things, you know, over the last 20, 30 years. And, and you know, it seems like it is still a problem. Like nobody has, has kind of figured it out and, everybody's, you know, talks about these, these things, you know, Simon Sinek and the, the, the golden circle and start with why. And I see a lot of people trying to say like, Oh, this is what we believe. And this is what we're all about. And people getting into all this social, you know, corporate responsibility, all these other things that, that come down into it. But when you're digging in with folks and, and really talking about like, what really is a emission? Like, what does that, what does that mean? What are the key differentiators then to, uh, a mission and a vision that can be that foundational piece to the messaging that, that sets up marketing to, to be successful. First, I'll tell you what it's not and where I feel a lot of people or businesses go wrong is that it's, it's not about you and, mm-hmm. or the company and your goals as far as uh, what I often see is something that this is maybe exaggerating a little bit, but I see a lot of, Um, my vision or my mission is to take over the world and to be the best in this industry, right? And what you want to think about is what does that mean to my prospective client? Why do they care if I want to take over the world in this particular industry? What they want to know is what are you going to do for them? What are you doing that's different from what everyone else can do what are you doing that's going to make their life or their business easier? That's going to simplify things and make it better. So you need to be speaking to them and what are their values? What is it that they're looking for? You know, it's, it's funny to, to mention that because I, I have, I used to train for a networking organization and people would give up and have to give these 10 minute presentations and, we would put in there and talk about like, oh, you should mention like your, your mission or why, what is your big why? Why do you do this? And I would see people get up and it's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm in this business and my, my why is that I want to spend more time traveling with my, and, and seeing my grandkids. And I'm just like, okay, that, that's a fine goal. Like everybody can, I think, can appreciate that, but it's not inspiring anything. Like nobody cares. Nobody's going to give you business or be motivated to, to do business with you because that, and that's even a smaller thing than like taking over the world too. Right. But people get so focused on their personal goals and they think that that's their mission. So I think that's very, very relevant to, to be thinking about like, and, and one of the things that I've, I've said that's maybe related to this. Um, I remember getting up and, and giving one of those presentations myself and I would ask people like, all right, what's the purpose of a business? And, you know, the, the immediate quick answer is like, oh, the purpose of business is to, to make money. And I'm like, all right, Milton Friedman, like they're, they're, that is a function of a business and is necessary to separate. Like that's what distinguishes a business from, you know, maybe a charity or, a, you know, nonprofit. But ultimately, the function of all those organizations or the purpose of all those organizations has to be to solve a problem 
that's out there. You know, relieve a pain, satisfy a desire or need that's in the the marketplace. And and so I, I I can definitely see how getting people to align their their vision and their mission is going to going to be very very key to the the structure. But coming off of coming off of that, like if that so they they say let's say we've got a, a mission and they're they're kind of thinking about that big problem that's bigger than them and, and is helping people. What comes what comes next? How do they what are the other structures that need to be in place before they before they can really think about spending on marketing? The next piece that I feel is critical is that they have a good website or some kind of a a landing page, something that the prospective client can go to, to find them, to look them up, to check out, check them out, verify them, check their credibility. And when they get there, you want them to be able to see something that, that looks good, that has the good message, that it's understandable and it's easy to navigate. One thing that really a a huge pet peeve I have in regards to marketing is when it comes to SEO. I see a lot of companies spending a lot of money on SEO. Their their, um, goal is to rank high on Google, right? So that they're the first one that when someone's looking for their product or service, they're the first person or first business to be seen and clicked on. Well, if you're paying for CEO and you're paying to be the top and then somebody clicks on your website, they get to your website, your website sucks and it's hard to navigate, you're going to lose people. So then you end up blowing your money on SEO and then you get frustrated and you get this mindset of, oh, well, SEO doesn't work. Yeah, <laughs> well, I have definitely heard that story. And it's, it, and, you know, when we, we talk about the, you know, the farming thing versus the, the hunting, it's like, all right, you can have SEO is out there and, and you know, maybe that's kind of like, you know, planting the seed or, or like you say, somebody shows up to the website, that, that little bit of an opportunity is starting to, to sprout, but then all of a sudden, you know, the, the website sucks. And so I, my, my question to, to SEO or folks who are like, oh, I'm thinking that I should do SEO is often like, all right, I'm not so worried about if it doesn't work. Like, what if it does work? What if people do click? What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen next? after that. So that's, I think that's a, a huge, a huge part of, of this. So you've got the, the process. So get your mission and vision, use that to align your marketing with, with your target market and, and the problems that they have and what they're trying to, to do. And then make sure that that is well represented on the website. That's going to be functional. What, what, anything else before, you know, they're, they're ready. to to start investing and spending the money on marketing? Yes. And this is actually something that I would recommend that you do as part of reviewing your website and making sure your website is is good and has a good message is to also do a market research of others in your industry. Go check out their websites. Go see what they're saying. What is the verbiage they're using? And make sure that you're not sounding just like them. I see that a lot too. You, everybody thinks that they're different. Everybody thinks they're unique. But then when you go look at every, everyone else's website, they're all saying the same thing. Yeah. We're the market leader in X, Y, Z or, or something to mm-hmm. that thing. And, and I'm glad you say that because I, I was a little worried at first um, because there, there seems to be a couple different extremes. Like I, you know, I've had I've had clients in the past that, that, you know, they kind of want to pretend like they're, 
the next Steve Jobs and they're like, oh, Steve Jobs, you know, never looked at the competition and they're, just, and they're like, yeah, you're, you're, you're not Steve Jobs. Like, sorry, like you're not making a ding in the universe here. Mm-hmm. You, you've got a, a fairly common thing, but then other people will go to other pe- people's websites and try to, to emulate what they're doing. And so it seems like, I mean, do you, do you, do you find that there is a, like a balance there? Like, you know, kind of understanding what the, the market's doing, but not trying to necessarily copy them. You know, is it is it from your perspective, like trying to figure out where your niche really is or, or how to best differentiate? Like that's what you should be looking for. Absolutely. And like you said, it's a balance because you do want to know enough about your competition to know how you can emulate them. And also to know how you can be how you can be different and how you can be better than them. So there are some components that that there will be some similarities. If you're too different, then mm. you might scare people away. Yeah. <laughs> so you need to be enough alike while also being different enough that you stand out. Nice. And and you were talking about uh, you mentioned being like the market leader and that kind of thing and. That's, that's something that, well, everybody says that. Let's just put it that way. Everybody right. thinks they're the best. Everyone thinks they're the leader. So if you're going to claim that, you need to make sure that you have the statistics to back that up. And don't just, lo- don't just put something on there because it sounds good and because you want to be that person. You want right. to be the leader. If it's going to be some kind of objective differentiator like that, like you have to prove it, right? You have to offer the, yeah. the evidence. But even then, like it seemed, you know, because I, I I drive a uh, a pickup truck, non, you know, maybe not surprisingly, but the you know to, to watch all those ads, you know, it doesn't matter if you're looking at a like a, a Ram or a Chevy or a Ford when they come up, like they're all the market leader. In something right. where it's like, what <laughs> metric are we going to use? And like, mm-hmm. you know, total sales or, you know, life or resale value or something like they all pick a different thing. And, and I, you know, everybody can do that. So again, those are like fine things to have. But again, like coming down to, you know, understanding that, that, that target client. And when everybody's just spewing evidence, like ultimately, is it going to be is it going to be differentiating? I think that's the that's the hard thing for a lot of people to to do and to really sit down and say, okay, am am I am I that different? How how am I different? Right. And and- that's where that I mean that's where having somebody like you to to come in and kind of give that outside perspective is is probably helpful. Absolutely, we don't see ourselves the way someone else sees us. Right. So, and not only that, I also have a, I believe it's a gift that I have in being able to see that differentiator in other people in their businesses. When, I mean, I can take, let's say carpet cleaning, carpet cleaners, I can take 10 carpet cleaners and I could sit down with each one of them and I could pick out one thing from each one of them to tell them, this is where you stand out. This is what makes you different than the other nine. And then tell each of the other nine that, and each of the, every 10, what am I saying here? All 10 of them (laughs) will all have something different. So does that, does that, do you think that comes from your accounting background? 
like getting in and kind of doing that analysis of, of P&L statements, with, which at, for a lot of people all kind of look the same, but it, it really takes that, that analytical mind to, to really get in and be able to, I don't know, that is just kind I, of a... I would say actually it goes much deeper than that in that it's something that I, a skill that I gained as, or a gift that I maybe was given I, and that I learned how to hone it in. And actually when I was quite young that I, or since I was quite young, that I was able to do that. And that's probably reversed in the sense that because I had that gift was the reason that I enjoyed accounting and being able to dig into the accounting and finding those things that other people don't see. And then taking that further and going into the business consulting side of things where I can now look at not just your accounting or your finances, but looking at the different other different components within your marketing and your processes and each of these things. And that, I mean, that really is a, a, a key, a very unique skill, I would say too. And, and, you know, it's kind of stereotypical maybe to, to think about, you know, accountants deal with numbers and, you know, marketing people deal with, with words and things and never the two shall meet, but, you know, it's ultimately become the reality of, of business today. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, you look at, at big marketing agencies and, and things like that, and then, you know, they're hiring data scientists and, and analysts to come in and be able to, to look at all these numbers. And I actually, um, you know, I'm in, in like these masterminds and with other folks and, and their marketers and, you know, they're setting up ad campaigns and doing all the stuff. And I can't tell you how many of them actually come from accounting backgrounds. And it kind of blows my mind to, to do that. I like come from the science background, right? So there's somewhat of a, a, a relation there to go, but that's ultimately what it, what it's getting down into, but it still comes back down to those principles, right? Like the fundamental mm-hmm. principles of having a message that, that resonates with folks, being able to differentiate uh, yourself from the competition. So that ultimately shows people why you're the best solution to the problem that they have. And have you even, have you showed them that you can solve that problem? And if you can't do any of that, all the other accolades and all the other statistics and the features and the benefits around your service aren't really going to, to, to matter a hill of beans. Absolutely. I love, <laughs> I love how you put that. So that, that, that's maybe my, my uh, intrinsic gift, right? Yeah. So, so let, let, let's come back because I'm sure everybody else is, is, is wondering too, but like explain how, you know, a, a, an accountant or maybe it was before your accountant, but how you got into this wing walking and maybe just to explain for other folks what, what that means because they may have seen some crazy video of, of folks doing it and not realize that that's what it was. But what is this thing and how did you get into it? Okay, well, this was actually my first experience and really my only experience with wing walking, but probably not my last, was last summer. I have a friend who had done wing walking, and when I first heard about this, I thought he was absolutely insane, and I would never think of doing such a crazy thing. So I'm going to backtrack now on how I got into this or why more, I, you could say why I chose to get into this. I learned from a young age that I, I enjoyed pushing myself out of my comfort zone. And I learned 
many, or I've been through many experiences as a young girl where I realized that um, being in my comfort zone was not comfortable. I mean, it's really like an oxymoron, right? Comfort zone. It's not comfortable, but many people are comfortable with being miserable or uncomfortable. And I realized that specifically I had an experience at the age of 12 where I was in the situation and it occurred to me that I had a choice to stay where I'm at, be miserable, be unhappy, watch everyone else around me be happy and have fun. And, or I could go do something uncomfortable and step out of my comfort zone. And I was As a young girl, I was very shy and insecure. And so that's why this was a big deal for me to have this realization that, oh, this is a choice to be unhappy and be miserable. Lo and behold, I made the choice that I don't want to be miserable. (laughs) I don't want to stand here and, you know, let my life just suck. So I made a choice that to me was a very difficult choice. And it was very much out of my comfort zone. And in that, I gained so many benefits and so much personal growth that I realized that I like being uncomfortable. I like stepping out of my comfort zone. I then uh, took a speech class in school. Again, very nerve wracking for somebody who is insecure and shy and I remember sitting down after one of my presentations that I think it may have been my first one in the classroom, scared as heck, like shaking, right? But I sit down afterward and this just adrenaline of, oh my gosh, I just did that. I did something difficult, something hard. So last summer when my friend had come to me with this opportunity of going wing walking with him and a, a group of other friends. I had already decided that that's crazy. Heck no, I wouldn't do that. Um, but when he approached me again and in, and invited me, I initially said no. But as I'm telling him no, there's something going on in my brain going, well, this is definitely a way to step out of your comfort zone. <laughs> so, so that's that's the reason I ended up doing it is because it occurred to me that I have gotten used to stepping out of my comfort zone or pushing myself out of my comfort zone in a way that for many other people, they see that as a huge thing for me. It's like, this is like a normal everyday thing for me. So I, I felt this sense of, I needed to do something much greater to be on a, a fair playing field of saying, yeah, I'm pushing myself out of my comfort zone. And so I, I accepted the opportunity. I did it. And I I think it's interesting because when people find out that I've done this and I've now also gone skydiving a couple of times and, and I have clients when they get to know me, they'll say, wow, I didn't picture you as the thrill seeking type of person. And the reality is, is I don't do it for the thrill. I do it for the personal growth and to be able to say, if I can do this, you can do this. And it makes a huge difference. If I'm able to go up in an airplane and climb out on the wings while it is in air 3000 feet above land 
and and do these twirly things and, and stuff. are you hooked on to something like i i don't it's just like it like is there a rope or something <laughs> a rope is a pretty close to what you're attached to you actually have a cable okay that attaches to a harness that you're wearing and attaches to the plane so if you were to fall you would be dangling dangling from the plane <laughs> so the plane. like that doesn't sound as comfortable even as bungee jumping so that is that that may be far more nerve-wracking than i think even the parachute because like you know you're gonna like come on the ground wow yeah that is very 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 impressive yeah so and my being a, my ability to do that and my choosing to do that also, it's not just something, yes, it is a personal growth aspect for me. It also helps with the growth of my business because there are things in business that are very uncomfortable. There are risks that yes. we take in business. So I can look at, well, if I can take this risk, if I can step out of an airplane and I, I can develop the courage to do that, then what is a phone call to a person I don't know? Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is, I I think it may be the the understatement of the year that that there's a lot of things uncomfortable in, in business, but you know, you're absolutely right that it is, it is usually those things, right, the, that that hold us back. And everybody has those for for whatever. For some people, like cold calling is nothing. And then for for other people, you know, they would they would rather they would almost rather die than than have to, right. to pick up a call and call a stranger or go to a a networking event and talk to folks or to to invest in in you know advertising or or putting ads and things out there. So there's uh, a lot of stuff, and I. You know, again, maybe stereotypically, you know, folks that, that come from the accounting background tend to be very risk averse. So I think that uh, that probably speaks a lot to, to you and your your ability to, to to kind of coach and consult with people to, to get them to think about it. Because, you know, you do know what it's like to really kind of run things and, and run the probabilities and the, 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 the numbers and know the statistics and, and what the, those profiles can be. And yet here you are stepping out on the wings of a perfectly good airplane and uh, just to, just to push yourself in, in being able to, to grow that risk tolerance. So, right. And it, it matters too, in the sense that I, I'm, I have this huge aversion to being hypocritical and not to say that I am perfect because none of us are. Right. You'd be kind but, of hypocritical if you did say that, right? Right. Absolutely. But when I, when I see or hear somebody who will, who will coach, who will coach or consult somebody on something that they wouldn't themselves do. Yeah. That's hypocrisy. So if I'm coaching somebody and telling them something to, that's going to push them out of their comfort zone, that's going to make them nervous. That's going to maybe create fear then I darn well better be willing to do the same for myself. So I, I, I usually ask folks to uh, talk about like the questions that people should ask, and, you know, potential vendors kind of in their space, or if they're going to work with somebody, and, you know, to, to do that. And so I, and, and you can kind of work anywhere for, for what you, you do. I, I, at least I get that 
perspective. Right. right? You know, Zoom, what we're doing right now, and we're in literally opposite corners of the country. <laughs> literally. But, <laughs> uh, but still, when people are, are going out and, and looking, because everybody, you know, we, we, there's 168 hours in a week. We, we can't work with, with everybody. There's a lot of people out there. It's a big pie to uh, um, cut things open. But when people are, are looking, I think there, there's some interesting questions now that people could ask. And like, when was the last time you jumped out of an airplane or, or, or something to, <laughs> to that aspect? But in other regards, and maybe more, more run-of-the-mill types of situations, you know, where or what are the, the right questions that people should be asking somebody that's, that's going to kind of be helping them with their, their marketing or their messaging, um, trying to get that aligned, get, get things focused, um, where are they, because a lot of people don't want to do it because they're afraid of getting ripped off or afraid that it's not going to work or however they, they want to put that out and they don't even know the right questions to ask. So from your perspective, what are the right questions to ask or maybe red flags they should be looking for? Or how do they figure out if, if the person is a, a good potential match to, to help them get to the next level that they're trying to in their business? Well, that, that's a good one because the, I'm thinking, so, <laughs> um, I, I, I'm thinking there are two different ways that I could take that. And in, in one area, I'm thinking of the, the people that I'm working with are dealing with issues with their marketing that they don't think it's working and they're frustrated and they're throwing their money away. And so it, if they're worried about their marketing, they're probably not looking at um, where can I go to find a business coach? or a business consultant, they're focused on the marketing. Yeah. So in that sense, I would recommend that in your marketing, um, there are, when somebody comes to you to sell a marketing tool, their job is to sell you that specific tool. Yeah. So it is really your responsibility to be able to know if that tool is appropriate for you or not because they're not going to tell you that they're not going to look at the scope of your business and, yeah. and assess it and look at your messaging. They're just looking to see if they can sell you on their particular product or service. So you as the business owner need to do your due diligence to be able to know if you're ready and if that's the right tool for you. And how do you know that? by listening to the things that we talked about today. Do you know what it is that you do? Are you clear about it? And do other people, i.e. your prospective clients, understand that? Is it relatable to them? Are you speaking their language? And, and having that website put together that's attractive and compelling and easy to navigate and have somebody take a look at those things for you. And unfortunately, I, I don't know of too many business consultants out there that will do a broad scope like that and look at all of those different pieces like I do. But um, those are the things that you need to be looking at. Yeah. And and then you can um, 
and then make sure once you have those things in place that you have the that you have a budget and that you have a strategy and that you look at all of these different marketing tactics together or um, tools together and how are they going to support each other. So another thing that I see happen in business is that they're spending money on five to 10 or however many different marketing avenues or tools, but they're not speaking. They're not working together. Yeah. Not all aligned. Exactly. So those are some things that you as the business owner have a responsibility to do your due diligence your due diligence to make sure that those things are aligned and then, um, then do your marketing. And of course, if, if you work with someone like me, I will help you take a look at that. Right. Well, and everybody can't be an expert at, at everything. And then I, I think the, the other old saying that, that came up when you were discussing that is to the person with a hammer, every problem looks like a nail, right? <laughs> right. And so if you just go out and say, all right, I've got a $5,000, you know, to spend on marketing and you talk to the, the SEO website guy, of course you need SEO. Of course, don't you want to be on page one of Google when people search and, and it sounds great. Right. And then the, you go talk to the person that does Facebook or, you know, social ads or paper cleric or whatever. And they're like, Oh, well, you know, this is the, the reason. And now they're trying to, to pitch you on that. And again, it goes back to everything can work given the right circumstances, but mm-hmm. you can't, you can't delegate or abdicate your marketing strategy to a tactical service provider that's going to right. provide one kind of one link in the chain or that that's how you end up in that situation where, yeah, I've got money flowing out in all these different channels and they're all kind of doing their, their own thing, but it's not, it's not ultimately getting that right message to the audience that I want that's going to then lead to having you know some processes afterwards to to be able to turn those into to clients. So I think that the uh, that's a key key understanding that that people need to have is their their role as the the business owner. And if they don't feel qualified in that, then you know that's when they they can call you right and uh, right. somebody to to be able to help. So if they do want to call you, Catherine, because we're I know we're coming up to the bottom of the hour here. How, how do people get in, in touch with you? I know you wrote a, a, a book as well that brings a lot of these things. Tell us about that and, and how people can get more information on uh, the, the other insights that you can provide. All right, sure. The book that you're referring to is called Beyond Breaking Even, Your Toolbox to Building Exponential Profits. And it's a, it's a great, simple, easy to read and easy to understand tool for helping you Um, walk through the steps of your business, whether you're brand new in business or you've been in business for 20 years, the the components or the steps are all the same. Um, Each time that you grow, that you expand, you're basically going back to those steps and walking through them again to fit into where you're at in business at that time. So I highly recommend that. You can find that at beyondbreakingeven.com or you can also order that on Amazon. And you can reach me either by phone at 425-367-0394, or you can reach me via email at Catherine at acceleratedresults365.com. All right. Well, fantastic. Well, Catherine, I really appreciate you taking the time to be here with us today and share all these insights. And I hope that everyone that has been listening can take those insights and these lessons and go apply them in your business 
getting your hands dirty, growing something great. Be well.